I'd like you to take your Bible, turn to Matthew 4.17. Matthew 4.17 today. How many believe something good is going to happen today? It's already happened. You was able to get up. You was able to come to church and be with the God's people who you're going to spend eternity with one day. Matthew 4.17. Give you a chance there in a few minutes to get there. All right. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was a kingdom-minded person. If you notice in the four Gospels, most all of his teaching is about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That was his message here, is the kingdom of God. He says it is his hand. In other words, he's saying you don't have to look for it. It's already arrived. It's already in your midst, the kingdom of God. And then he said, uh, I must be about my father's business. He said that when he was 12 years of age. In other words, I must be about my Father's kingdom. Jesus didn't have no kingdom except what was given to him by the Father, and he was taking care of the Father's kingdom. We'll read a scripture in a minute. God has given us a kingdom for us to be heirs over, to be kings and priests. As he was given a kingdom, we're given a kingdom, and he's the head of the kingdom. Jesus always in the four gospel preached the kingdom of God. It was the kingdom of God that he was really interested in. And then Matthew 10 and 7 said, Jesus' purpose and mission on earth, as you now go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is new. In other words, it's here, it's now. I mean, you know, you don't have to start looking for the kingdom of God. It's already here. And if you're a Christian, it's already in your heart, which is the kingdom of God. And Matthew 12, 28 says, If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. The kingdom of God is not natural a kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. A man is not a natural man. He is filled with the Spirit of God. He is a spiritual individual. And most all the time when it mentions in the Bible man, it means man and woman. So we are a spiritual individual. The only thing that we have that's going to live forever is our soul. And one day it will get a new body. This evil body will pass away. Everything earthly one day is going to pass away. And it may be sooner than we think. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom because God is a spirit. When man was created in the image and the likeness of God, he was created in the spirit of God, in the likeness of the spirit of God. Then he made him a body. He breathed on him, become a living soul. He said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle account with his servants. Matthew 18, 23. How many are glad the old song said the account was settled long ago? Our account when we become Christians has been settled long ago. And what we used to be, we're no longer that. 
God has not reformed us. He has made us new creatures in Christ. When you become a new creature in Christ, then the old things are passed away. We want to turn to Matthew 25 and read uh, verse 14 and 18, if you would, please. Matthew 25. Wait, I'll wait on you this morning. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. While you're turning there, Jesus said, As I was conferred on you a kingdom, that I conferred on you a kingdom. I've given you a kingdom. Just as my Father conferred one on me. In other words, God has given everybody a kingdom. And you're the king of that kingdom. And nobody else is the king of that kingdom. And you're only responsible to God for what he gives you. I mean, you know, we ought to take care of what God has given us. We ought to look after it, nurse it, and take care of it. Okay, Matthew 25, verse 14 and 18. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travel into a far country. He called his servants together. He delivered in them his goods. Jesus is talking about himself here and what he's going to give, and he's going away. He went away after the resurrection. He's still going away. But he sent the Holy Ghost back down here to take his place and to work inside of us. That's why I said it's expedient for you that I go away. But I'm coming back one of these days. Whether people believe it or not, we're close to coming of the Lord. Now, some of us want to may live a long time, but I tell you, the Bible said we may get to the place that we'll be praying for the kingdom to come, for Christ to come. So notice here, then verse 15. And to one of them he gave five talents, and to another he gave two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. What God is saying here, Jesus is telling him here, I'm giving you charge of a kingdom, and I'm expecting you to increase it. Everything God created, he expected an increase. He gave it a command to increase. When he gave his spirit inside of us, he's expecting us to increase. He's expecting us to increase the numbers of the church. That is our responsibility, to increase the church. He's given us a responsibility, as Jesus had the responsibility. And not only he made us kings and priests, that the kingdom of heaven is as God has given everyone the measure of faith. If you're a Christian, he gives you the measure of faith, and then he gave you the spirit, the ability to increase his kingdom. And he's coming back one of these days, and he's going to ask me, what have you done with what I have given you? Have you increased it? He's going to ask every one of you one of the days when he come back what he's given you the ability. He's given you his spirit. He's given you faith. He's given you power to increase his kingdom when he comes back. Because when we leave this world, we're going to leave everything visible behind. What we work for is going to be left for somebody else. But if the church is resurrected, it won't be left to anyone. So he blessed them. Everybody ought to say he blessed them. 
I forgot the man that preached here one time. And uh, in Israel, every time a man or a woman meets a man, what do they say? Y'all remember what he said? Eh? What does that mean? God bless you. Everything you read in the Bible, when God blessed them, they multiplied. When he created everything on earth, he blessed it, and it multiplied. When disciples were standing and watching him going back to heaven, he blessed them because the blessings of God always brings increase. It'll always multiply when God has blessed them. And that's one of the reasons America is so blessed today because the blessings of God is up on our lives and God causes us to increase. He wants the spiritual kingdom to increase and he's given us a power and authority to increase these things. Everybody ought to say, I'm blessed. I tell you, David said, if I count my blessings, they're more than the sands of the seashore. I cannot count them because they're too many for me to count. Everyone is commanded to advance the kingdom of God. He's given everyone the ability to get involved and to advance the kingdom of God because that's what's so important to advance his kingdom because he's coming back one of these days. He's going to ask every individual, what did you do with what I gave you? One man, he asked him, said, what did you do with what I gave you? He said, I put it in the bank. I mean, I hid it in the ground. If you notice what he said to him, thy wicked and slowful servant, a person that does not get involved and help the kingdom of God grow, Jesus considered that person a wicked person. He took away from him what he had and gave it to somebody else. You said, that's pretty hard, but God has given us the authority and the ability to increase his kingdom while we're here on this earth. One that had five, he came back and rejoiced and said, look what I've done for you. The word increase here in the kingdom here means winning souls. Everybody ought to say amen. He's given us the ability to reproduce ourselves in the spiritual kingdom. You got your Bibles, turn to Mark 10, 28 and 31. Mark 10, 28 and 31. We want to read there. Everybody there? Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and had followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left houses, brothers or sisters, father or mother or wife, or children or lands, for my sake, in other words, for the kingdom's sake, and the gospel, which is good news, he shall receive a hundredfold when? Now. In other words, God is going to bless you now if you forsake yourself to help to advance the kingdom of God. And then not only that, he says you're going to have eternal life. See how important it is to get involved in building God's kingdom? We're not trying to build anything that of ours. And God wants to use everything he created to advance his kingdom. Luke was a Gentile. In the book of Luke, he was a Gentile. He was the only Gentile writer in the Bible. 
all of the rest of them, the writers. And Luke was not one of the twelve. He was not one of the apostles. He wrote the book of Luke. And he wrote the book of Acts. And Paul in Colossians told him that he is the beloved physician. So we know he was a doctor. But he was given the assignment. And the book of Luke is really written to the, written to the Gentiles, which is you and I. What God is setting aside here, that he wants to use everybody. And it's hard for us to understand, well, he was Luke, what difference that made? <laughs> Prejudiced. Racist. He wanted to make sure that everybody worked in the kingdom of God. Regardless of who they were, he's going to use Luke. And that probably infuriated the Jews, but he still did it. Then he chose John Mark to write the book of the Mark. John Mark was not one of the twelve. He was not an apostle. It is believed that he's the one that ran away naked at Jesus' crucifixion. He also ran away on a missionary journey and went back home. The Apostle Paul didn't want nothing to do with him no more. He said, I'm going to have nothing to do with him no more. But then comes along Barnabas, and he picks up John Mark. And later in life, before Paul died, he said, bring John Mark. He's worthy of the ministry. What God is in the business to taking those that fails and those that forsake, he's in the business to pick them up and turn them around and use them mightily in the kingdom of God. If God turned Paul around, the chiefest of all sinners destroyed more of the church and made more havoc of the church than any person in the Bible, he made him one of the chief apostles. God can take anything and turn it around and make it productive. He made John Mark productive, even though he'd run away several times. Maybe you're here today and you felt like running away a few times. But I want you to know that God has got you on His mind. And God has got you in His eye to use you. So God will use you. There's a man named Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward. Graduated from high school at 17. Went to Hoboken. Everybody know what Hoboken is? Somebody just riding the train. You know, when I come up as hobos, you see all kinds of people riding trains up and down the train. He become a hobo. And that's what he did from the age of 17 to age of 34. He just a hobo. He drifted. Got in all kinds of trouble. Then he was arrested and sent to Leavenworth. He swore that no jail could ever hold him. When long after he was in Leavenworth, he decided he wasn't going to get out. He was there. He was bitter, angry, and showed it to everybody. He was bitter against the judge, the prosecuting attorney, and the jury because sending him there. But one day he came back from his daily work and went into his cell, and there laid a Bible in his cell. He picked it up and read it. He was so inspired from what he read in that Bible. He read it again. And he read it again. He began to feel something changing on the inside of him. 
he began to feel this bitterness was going. Church, you can never underestimate the power of the living Word of God. It is so powerful to the individual. And when long his action began to change, when long his words began to change, and when long the chief officials or the officials of the prison began to notice that he was changing. And after some time, one of the officials told him, said, the man that's in charge of the powerhouse of 150 people, there'd be a better job. You ought to apply for that job. Immediately, he started going to the library and reading everything he could learn and read about electricity and a power plant. And he got that job in the prison system because his attitude had changed. I mean, you know that if our attitude will change, the world will know it. You don't need a bumper sticker on your car saying, I'm a Christian. It might say that, but the world's going to know who you are and what you are. According to the light, you shine. And after some time, there's a man sentenced to the prison. His name is Herbert Bigelow. He was the president of Brown and Bigelow Company. He was put in prison because of income tax evasion. Charlie befriended him because he could see he needed some kind of help coming out of that kind of life into prison. So he befriended him and started helping Herbert Bigelow. After some time, Herbert got released from the prison. And he told Charlie, when you get out, come to the state where I live. I guarantee you there'll be a job waiting for you. About five, six weeks later, Charlie got out. He went there. They gave him a job of a laborer working, because this was way back yonder, $25 a week. He worked very hard. He worked very diligently. Wasn't long, he was promoted to foreman. Then wasn't long, he was voted to the superintendent. Wasn't long, he was voted to the general manager and vice president. And shortly after that, Mr. Bigelow died. And the board appointed him the president of this company. The company's average or less $3 million income per year. It went up to $50 million a year under Charlie Ward's leadership. While he was there, he employed 500 prisoners that got out of prison and helped change their lives. I want you to think about that. 500 prisoners he hired to work in that company, and he worked with them to change their lives. He never quit reading the Bible every day because it was inspirational to him. If God can take a man who's in prison from 17 to 34, was hoboing, getting in trouble, riding trains, and turned his life around, he never forgot where he come from. Could I be bold this morning? Christians should never forget where you come from. 
you should never forget what you can go back to. There's a danger always going back. He wore a bracelet that he had made around his wrist. Had his number that they gave him while he was in prison on that bracelet. He looked at it every day. Every day he looked at it as a reminder to remind him where God had brought him from. How many know that God has brought you a long ways? I knew a guy, Gilmer, one time. He was the maintenance manager over there of that Upshur County. He told me, he said, we all ought to be thankful what God has kept you from and you didn't know it. How many know that God has kept you from something that you didn't know? He's blessed you in certain ways that you really didn't know. Peggy and I sometime, I guess because you get old, you sort of sit and reminisce sometime. We both can look back now and see what God has done for us through the years and we didn't know it. I want you to know this morning that God has blessed you abundantly at times in your life and you really didn't know it was coming from God. But later on, you can look back and say, the old song, when I look back down the road where God has brought me from. How many believe that God has brought you a long way? He blessed you when you didn't know the blessings was coming from God. Charlie Ward never wanted to forget what God had done in his life. He read the Bible every day of his life for inspiration because that's what delivered him. You remember Brother Cubaloid from the Philippines preached here one time. World War II broke out. Japan invaded the Philippines. And America sent troops there to defend the Philippines. And this young American soldier got shot. He was with Brother Cubaloid's dad. And before this young American soldier died, he reached in his pocket and pulled out a New Testament and gave it to Brother Cubaloid's dad, said, I want you to have this. And he died. Brother Cubaloid's dad read that New Testament. He was so impressed with the kingdom of God. He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongue. He was baptized in Jesus' name. All of his children was the same way. Just for reading that New Testament, there is power in the Word of God that changes lives. Brother Cubalord had built many, many churches in the Philippines. Not only that, his brother has built a mega church over there because of one dying man reached in his pocket and said, I want you to have this before I die. I mean, just, just one word from a person can change their very life. I'm just glad that God brought you from somewhere and you never don't want to go back because you'll be worse than you've ever been before. But he wants to give you grace to keep you. What about Nathan Hale? He was 21 years of age. The British caught him during the war. He said, we'll give you a few last words before we hang you. He said, give me my Bible. They said, you can't have your Bible. He said, well, I regret that I have only one life to lose for my country. How I many you know that you're enjoying the freedom of America today because men and women voluntarily, more or less, gave their life gladly and willingly that this nation could be free? Amen? How I many you know Jesus gave his life? He came to destroy the works of the devil. He could have called legions of angels. He did not have to die, but he chose 
to die when he said, not my will, but the will of the Father be done. He wanted to please his Father in his kingdom. And God expects us to please him in the kingdom that he's given us and for us to advance the kingdom of God. We're so privileged to be Americans. My heart goes out to these people that's flooding America. Children, seven, some of them even younger, getting lost and afraid they're going to get sold into slavery. You say, well, they ought not to come here to start with. You don't realize how bad it is down there. Some of these third world countries, Haiti is one of the worst countries on the face of this earth. When I was in this service, I caught shore patrol in Karakapachistan. They said, carry your own water, don't eat and drink while you're down there. We seen people with little packs on their back, and we wondered what they were. When nighttime come, we found out. They rolled them little packs down on the sidewalk and some of them in the streets, and therefore they laid down and went to sleep because they had nothing else. You ought to shout, I'm blessed. You got a bed to sleep in tonight and a roof over your house and food in your stomach. You ought to shout, hallelujah. I'm blessed. If you're free from sin, you ought to shout that Jesus has made you free from sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And God has entrusted this kingdom unto us. Wonderful kingdom that he's given. The Bible says where sin abound, much more so do the grace of God abound. We, the Bible talks about in the last days, lawlessness will get worse. I believe we're seeing that. I believe we're hearing it. Such lawlessness like we have never seen and felt before. Let not your heart be troubled. You believed in God, believe in me also. I have overcome the world. The spirit that I give you is my spirit. My spirit that overcame the world will overcome the world with you. And that's what he's given us. Life and abundant life. He didn't say you'd be exempt from problems and troubles. But he said he overcome the world. The power of the living word of God. I was in another city several years ago. And a guy began to tell me about a church that had beautiful facilities, very large. And said they moved off and left it. Said they built north of town here. Built a beautiful facility out there. He said, do you know why they left? I said, no, I have no idea. Because the crime was increasing in their area. You get it? He said the crime was increasing their area and they wanted to get out of the high crime area. He said, I wonder what God thinks. He sent them laborers, probably what they've been praying for, but it wasn't what they wanted. I want you to know God is able to transform anyone into the kingdom of God. He transformed Charlie Ward from a hobo, getting in all kinds of trouble. He never forgot where he came from. He demonstrated it in the 500 that he helped. And then he, this was one of his favorite readings. I was naked and you clothed me. 
I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. He was in prison, and Christ visited him there. He visited him. How many know God is a miraculous, miracle-working God? A wonderful working God. Many years ago, I went to Dangerfield to listen to a guy preach. His name was J.T. Pugh. He said when he was a young man growing up, a good friend was named Jack. They was laying on the creek one day of fishing. And J.T. Pugh said the church I was attending was in a revival. The Spirit of the Lord said, ask Jack to service tonight. Said I sort of ignored it. And then he spoke to me again, and I ignored it again. I got up and left, and Jack got up and left. Said I never heard from Jack again. After some time, after the war broke out, someone told me that Jack had lost his life in war. He said I wept and I cried. I had a chance to ask him to church. His message was, their blood will be on our hands because he's called us to reach out to people. It's in the time. And just the one word, what would happen if he had invited Jack to church? Just, just one word, Jack, would you go to church tonight? Would you come to church with me tonight? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation that God has given us? And that's why we're to share it with others. Frederick Price, I mentioned in the Sunday school class, he died in February at the age of 87. God called him to, into the ministry, called him to build a church in California. Told him where. It was in one of the worst ghettos places. I believe it was in San, San Francisco. He went to the bank, and the bank said, we will not loan money to build in that type of community. You cannot succeed there. If you move anywhere else, we'll give you the money. He says, I can't do it. God said, build it there. He built a church, a dome that seated 10,000 people. The stage is round and it turns. 10,000 plus people has passed through that church because he built it in the ghettos. He built it where God said. How many know Jesus, he didn't go eat with the top officials. He went and ate with sinners. He went and invited people that couldn't help themselves. He went with them. And there, Brother Price, the world, they say the number one watch television series is ever increasing in faith. He's given us a kingdom, His kingdom, to watch over it and take care of it until He comes back. And He's coming back. I talk to people sometime a little older than I am. Several years ago, well, I heard that all my life, and I don't believe it. It doesn't matter if we believe it. 
or not. It doesn't matter. He's coming. He's not operating on our whether we believe it or not. He's operating on the living word of God. I could call their names. Two men, the same age I am. The Lord, they told me the Lord has revealed to them. One of them lives in Tennessee. One of them lives in San Antonio. That you'll be alive when I come. I don't know when he's a coming. Jesus said, "Not I." Jesus said, "I don't know." He said, "The angels don't know." He said, "The hour." He didn't say the time. He said, "You'll know the times and the seasons, but you won't know the hour." And the gospel has been preached today all over the world. That's one of the signs, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. So he's coming back, and he's going to ask us what we have done of all these things. In the book of Genesis, God set some rivers and their responsibilities to water the garden where it would grow. Sister Sue's son, I believe it's Johnny. Several years ago, I went driving through the country. Beautiful, tall, green grass. The fields next to it was covered with goat weeds, what we call goat weeds. Why was this field so covered with beautiful green grass? Anybody know why? What would you say, Brother Clayton? About out in the center of that field. Is it so about in the center of it? I don't know how deep that well is, but them huge sprinklers was covering it, fertilizing it. Jesus expects fruit from every individual. Book of Isaiah said, I chose the best of vine that I could find and planted it. I tilled the ground. I built a wall. And I set a watchman upon it. And I expected fruit. That's why Jesus came by. In the book of Ezekiel, saw of rivers, rivers, full, coming out from the throne of God and going down and watering the land, the plains, where trees was, where they would produce abundance of fruit. And the Bible said in John, out of your most inner being shall come what? Rivers of living water. The purpose of that, the Spirit in us coming out, is to water this land, America, and wherever we go where trees can bear fruit. Most of the time you read in the Bible and it talks about trees, it's talking about people. Talking about people. Jesus came by our tree one day. He was hungry. He wanted some figs to eat. He looked and it had no fruit. He said, why does this tree cumber the ground? After all I've done for it, and it's not bearing any fruit, meaning souls, cut it down. Cut it down. And the gardener said, no, that's the Holy Ghost. How many are glad for the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost shall never leave you nor forsake you. He's always available to water you, fertilize you, and dig around you, and make sure that you bear fruit for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God. We're so blessed to have the Word of God. and The wonderful blessings of God. I want to close on this thought. I don't want to keep you too long. 
when I was in the service, it was a terrible thing to fall overboard. We was practicing war. The sea was real rough. And a man would only survive for maybe three minutes, they claimed, if he fell overboard. And all of a sudden, we heard the sound over the PA system. Man overboard. Man overboard. All hands man your battle station. How I many know that God needs all hands? All hands that he's called involved because there's people overboard. Overboard. Brother Don said something in this coffee room this morning, and I believe he's believing that God's going to grow some new cartridges in his knees. I'm going to agree with him. I'm telling you, God is able to do anything that we can believe for him. Peggy preached a message down at the old church. A-W-O-L. Absent without leave. There was a man. God needs to revive that message back up in her. Give her more messages, you know, what you're here on this earth. I mean, if God ever gave it to you one time, he wants to continue it on. And a man came up, had never been to that church before, and came down to the front and told her, said, you were speaking directly to me today. said, I'm a man that's absent from God without permission. All hands manual battle station. All engines stop. Then there was a cry went out, said, I see him. He's on the starboard side. Well, first, the captain said, all engines full of stern. That means back up. Then a call went out, said, I see him. I see him. He's on the starboard side at midship. We had two. They was frogmen back then aboard the ship. One of them had already got in his uniform standing beside the captain waiting for his command. They had men trained with these round lifeguards on that ship. And that one man come back, threw that thing out there, and you just barely could see him on account of the waves. But that life thing landed right beside of him. How many know that God is in things? When there's a cry that man is overboard, everybody was anxious, on edge, and he caught that. The medical team was waiting for him when he come aboard and saved his life. How many know there's a lot of people overboard? There's a lot of people in a drowning sea that needs help. There's a cry from the kingdom of heaven. There's a cry in the wilderness today. So many. Here some time ago, God put on my heart to start calling certain people's names. Some of them I hardly didn't ever know or heard of them. The other day it grieved my heart when I heard about this young man was killed out here on 96. I saw him not several months ago. He came up here with a contractor and I talked with him. Several years ago I seen him laying right over there as they prayed for him. Fell out in the floor speaking in tongues. There's so many that's absent without leave they overboard other morning I got up I have an office at home that's where all of my books near there is my office at home because the early 
other church down there, we didn't have a pastor's office. We had to turn it into a nursery. So we created an office at home. I went into my office and got down on my knees. And I took my Bible, laid my hands on it, and laid my head upon it. I said, God, I don't know how many more years I have left, but I repent of anything that I've done, said, besetting sin, little fox that spoils, the rest of my life will be given to soul winning, praying for people. Maybe God has put somebody on your heart. You need to call their name before God. I know we all pray for our family. We pray generally for the people. But God, lay it on your heart. Begin to pray for those souls. Because it's God's kingdom. And when he puts somebody on our hearts to pray, everybody can pray. Everybody has the ability to pray. He's given us that ability to pray. He's given us each and every one to do something in the kingdom of God. And he's coming back one of these days. He's going to ask every individual, what have you done with what I have given you? Have you multiplied it? Have you made it grow? God bless you as we live here today. If you need prayer, we want to pray for you before you leave. Believe in the miraculous things of God. And Peg and I both want to say we appreciate what God, I know she's been through some ordeals lately. I don't know how many doctors sometimes she's, I know she saw as many as two in one day. But when we went back to the kidney doctor the other day and they run some tests, that young lady, she looked like she ought to still be in high school. But she come in there and said, I've looked at this. Said, your kidneys are free. Said, that spot on there is just a water spot. It's nothing never to worry about. Go home and forget it. I want you to know that God can help you in peace and give you a peace of mind. God can give you the assurance that everything is all right. Sister Sue mentioned this morning about starting a prayer meeting one of the boards she was on. She felt the need. We ought to feel the need to pray. I tell you, when God's people begin to pray, God hears their prayers. Something changes and something happens. If just reading the Bible changed Charlie Ward from the vile creature that he was and carried him, not only making him the president of the company, that's a minor thing, but he changed his heart, changed his life, changed him completely. And he had such a desire to help other people change. You know, love without action is dead. Faith without action is dead. The Bible said in Stephen, there were people that waited on tables like Philip. The Bible said they were full of the Holy Ghost. They were full of power. And they were full of faith. And God used them mightily. Let's leave here today expecting God to use us. Ken read something he's seen on Facebook about this chef, shepherd.
He was in a mall, a Walmart. And God spoke to him, said, that woman right over there has got a terrible back problem. So he went over there and, and asked her, said, do you have back problem? She says, yes, I do. He said, how do you know? He said, the Spirit of the Lord just told me that. Would you mind if I prayed for you? I forgot how many doctors and all she'd been to. But when he laid her hands on her and said, in the name of Jesus, instantly, suddenly, she was healed right there. God is in the miracle working business. God is in the business to seek and to save souls. Amen. Amen. I'm thinking of a man, I won't call his name if I did, but I know Sister Pettit knows that guy really loves Sister Pettit. She stays in contact with him. And stay in contact with people. Never lose that connection. Because you never know what your prayer and your connection with them. Oh, glory to God. I'm going to repent. At Darlene Parker's funeral, Shane stood up and talked at the graveside. Darlene was his stepmother. And he talked about how she always encouraged him. How she always believed in him. When I was at my worst stage in life, she believed in me. She would tell me, you're not a bad boy. You're a good boy. She believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Stay connected. Because you never know just one word from the Master's lips. That could be our lips. God bless you for being here today. Maybe you have a wonderful, glorious day today. You might want to call a friend or somebody that you know. You say, I don't know what to say. We worked with a guy one day. His wife, we went to lunch, was hit in a train at a crossing. She didn't make it. We went to his house and sat on the couch. One guy looked over to him and told him to call his name said, I don't know what to say. He said, I don't want to hear a word from nobody. Just your presence. Just, I mean, you know, just your presence. The Spirit of God in your life sometimes can be such a great comfort to their lives. Sister Peggy's going to come up and say something. Glory to God. <clears throat> just want to thank you all for praying for me. I got a good report on that kidney. It seemed like I've had several things here lately health-wise, but God has seen fit to deliver me out of all of them. I thank him for it. Thank you all for praying for me. Today I'm just weeping, and I don't know why so much, but I'm really touched. Could we just pray for souls and for everybody, our country, our church? I don't know why I'm just... Like I say, just overwhelmed with weakness. I well was crying, <laughs> and I and I have been weak too from sickness. But I thank God I'm still here. He still used me. I thank Him for it. Thank Him for all of you. And I thank Him for hearing, answering prayer. He's just been so good to us. I thank Him for it. 
But we just pray for souls right now for our church. If you will, let's stand and just pray for one another for souls. Lead us to the right ones. There's so many hurting people. I don't know if that's why I'm overwhelmed with uh, weeping or what. Or God's just maybe trying to straighten me out, <laughs> stir me. But I thank him for dealing with us. And just anyway, let's just, if you will, if you feel like it, let's just stand and pray and then we'll be dismissed. Oh, God, we come before you right now. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayer, Lord. God, we don't know why we're so disturbed today. Oh, God, you shut a lot. God, we pray for souls. We pray for intervention for the lost. We pray for intervention for our country, for our church, for one another. Oh, God, help us to find a soul before they go into eternity. Oh, God, thank you for this privilege of hearing your word today for all you've done for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You've been so good. We pray just intervene for those in need around the world, Lord, and in our country, Lord, right here in Atlanta, Queen City, oh, God. Thank you for our church. Bless our church, oh, God. Bless our people here. Thank you for the word and for all you've done for us, Lord. We appreciate your goodness, your many blessings. Thank you, Lord. Go with us today. Bring us back. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Lord. Be blessed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.